Welcome to the Your Bard Podcast, a brand new podcast by Shakespeare North Playhouse. Each episode, we grab a drink at one of our locals in Prescott and chat to our guests about all things theatre, the arts, and of course, the bard himself. Join us as we chat to a range of guests, from directors and actors to local curators and historians. Grab a drink, pull up a chair, and settle in to the Your Bard Podcast. this first episode, we chat to the creatives behind A Midsummer Night's Dream, director Matthew Dunster, co-director Jimmy Fairhurst, and musician Nadine Saar, who plays the role of Titania. Just a heads up, this episode was recorded a few weeks ago during rehearsals. A Midsummer Night's Dream is running from now until the 22nd of October, so head to our website for more details. This production, produced in collaboration with Not Too Tame and Northern Stage, promises to be a riot in the woods where traditional notions of Shakespeare are thrown to the side, instead making way for a bold and unapologetically anarchic performance. In this chat, we explore Jimmy's theatre company Not Too Tame, what it means to both create and deliver working-class theatre, and theatre that is for everyone. We delve into the process of adapting A Midsummer Night's Dream, and the challenge of making a Shakespearean text accessible for all. We recorded this podcast at the Mermaid Tavern in Prescott, which is newly opened and just round the corner from the Playhouse. It's the perfect spot to kick back with a pint and listen to some local musicians. They're even hosting an Oktoberfest weekend from the 30th of September to the 1st of October. We've popped some more details below if you want to check it out. So join us as we head to the Mermaid Tavern to catch up with Matthew Dunster, Jimmy Fairhurst and Nadine Saar. Let's do rehearsals for Midsummer Night's Dream at the moment. How's that going? Great. Very exciting. <laughs> it's going amazing. It's good. We're in the well, middle of week two. Um, and I've got a lot done. A lot done, lots of movement bits. Yeah, I've been having lots of fun with the movement director, Chai San, this week. Mm. And uh, these two have been dancing together a lot. And it's great, you've got sort of such a diverse group of people and all who um, are performers, but who come at Shakespeare maybe for the first time or heading into it from different directions. So it's a really exciting kind of melting pot of... Um, experience and experiences it's great mm-hmm. well we can't see wait to see the actual show we're opening in um just over three weeks isn't Aww. it so on, the <laughs> 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 on the 22nd of september can i have two vodkas in there <laughs> <laughs> um so first shakespearean production in the cockpit theatre how exciting is to be for that i think it's amazing i mean we've been I mean, it has been, we were saying, we talk about this for so long, and then as the building was growing, so the conversation for this show and the, the evolution of that as the building has been, you know, being completed in sort of real time, and this feels like the, the, um, the zenith of that, at this point it hits, and there's, there's a lot of appetite for let's go and let's get it out there, and I, I think with the way that Shakespeare North has been growing those audiences, and which are, are similar to the... The audiences are not too tame, like, this is going to be a good night out, no, regardless yeah. of the fact that it's theatre, but theatre and its magic is just absolutely adds to that, so there's this beautiful uh, combination of, of the sense of event and the sense of everything that theatre can bring, in this show in particular, with the squad that we've got. It's just like, I think it's, yeah, it's, we're excited to sort of get to a point where we release it and have the audience, because they're the final cast member, really. There's a real, like, buzz in the mm. town in Prescott about it as well. Like when I'm in like a cafe or a shop and they see the, the lanyard with Shakespeare North on it, 
and then we've been waiting for this we can't wait for this and I think mm. that sense of excitement as well adds to the whole thing like mm. everybody's yeah. in on it and that's lush I love that event and I, I feel that when I'm in a if they don't react to my lanyard <laughs> if I'm in the chippy or I'm in the pub I, I feel really brave about going how do you feel about the, the theatre down the road and, it, and everyone's enthused and excited and like Jimmy said because we, we saw the cockpit um, when it was being built you know, when we came the first time, it was just a, a building site. We've been excited since then, really, and we coupled that. We went. We also then went on a pub crawl. <clears throat> so I think the kind of those two things have grown together. Like that's where we're going, and these are the people we're doing yeah. it for. So those those two things have sort of um, been there right from the first germination of the idea. Really, and that co- the cockpit itself is like. Cause I always think like, when you get a great stage or auditorium. It's like a, an actor's playground. So you see that and it, it has so many options and offers and there's such characteristic to it itself. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So exciting. Um, yeah, so Jimmy, with uh, Midsummer, it's co-production with Shakespeare North, Northern Stage, and of course, your company, Not Too Tame. So it describes itself as being firmly founded on the belief of theatre for all, focusing specifically on creating work that breaks the boundaries of tame, polite theatre, and engages those who feel that theatre isn't for them. So what does it mean to have that ethos, and what can we expect from your productions? I think it's it's accessibility. It's, like I say, good night out. Um, and with that, a lot of people, I always say that a lot of people feel like theatre isn't for them because they've been put off by bad experiences at school or things like this and, and our shows are the antidote to that. It's a sort of like, no, 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 get back here because this is going to be the best night of your life. And it is that, it has swagger. Um, it has, you know, it has confidence without arrogance. It's like, no, this is for you. Um, and I think that's what people can, it's a Shakespeare, a lot of people may have had bad experiences before, you know, with school teachers or this that, and the other and, and you have a feel of like, oh, I don't get it. Is that, make me feel stupid. And it, it absolutely shouldn't be. And with this, I think I think more than any other Midsummer Night's production that I've ever seen anyway, mm-hmm. people will go, I know that. I know that story. I know that storyline. I know that, oh, I get that. I know that character. Like, all of these characters are, are bold and brilliant and, you know, full of uh, the humanity that, that Shakespeare gets, pinpoint, and the heart. You know, there's, there's loads of, of comedy and darkness in this. There's some really high stakes. Uh, as there always is when love is involved, um, and and magic, and I think with all of that, though, people will still absolutely see through and see their own lives, own situations, or things that they've known or seen other uh, other people, and it's and that identifying with it, that's a big part of what that theatre for all is, because it, it is for you, you know. But the, all of that in my head, I go just another way of saying for the working classes, because there are lots of different types of theatre. So, you know, but I want my mates who are sparks, rugby players, hairdressers, dinner ladies, taxi drivers, to be able to come in here and sit and feel comfortable and go, fucking love that, that was amazing. Sorry, I should have expletive then. Um, <laughs> but that's what it is. And when pe- when you see that, which happens in our, with our audiences before, people come up to us and go, oh my God, was that based on me? And I'm like, no, but the fact that you thought that is amazing. Um, and, and our audiences, as in this, are at the heart of everything really. And that's really exciting, because it's for them, it's not for us. Uh, I've recruited a lot of taxi drivers for this. Oh really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Two a day. Yeah, well they come, they're both. That's it. 
And it's a big thing, you know, people work hard for the money, so we've got to make sure that they get a lot of bang for the buck. I and mean, I think they get a lot. Like in this, all the qualities of things that, you know, the elements of the live music and there's lots of movement and comedy, pathos. It's, it's just all tied up in a beautiful co-production box. There you go. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess then, yeah, what inspires you when it comes to making theatre like that, is it? We said it's not necessarily based on people you know, but I'm sure that there's some of that that comes into it. But is it is it pop culture? Like, where do you really look for your inspiration? Well, it is with me. It's always it's the uh, working class culture that we draw from. Um, a lot of that is populist, and sort of it's it's communities actually. I think a big thing, whether if you're in a pub, they have a micro community of the people that go there. There's if you know football teams or. Um, uh, anything, mental health groups, things like that, it's any sense of community, and in every sense of community, no matter where you are, you have a myriad of people, like us as a company, we co we're coming together, loads of different backgrounds, lo loads of different identities, and and it's the greater than the sum of all the parts, and that's what I think is amazing when, in Chicken but in these groups, because from the off we've been going about ensemble and family, and people are, are saying, oh God, isn't it, it feels, this is a really good group, they look after each other, and that, we want to continue on, you know, the front of house staff at the theatre and uh, the the people that work there. It, it is great sum of all the parts. It, I realise that it's a very sort of um, socialist soapbox I'm on, but I just believe in it. I've always been brought up in, in that, you know, we do this together. I think this that is at the real heart of the show as well. Is that like we will be doing this together and with the audience because we'll need them them to uh, come along for the journey. I guess then it's co-directed by the two of you um, as well, Matthew. So what? What was it about Not Too Tame and this production that really attracted you to it? And what was it about, I guess, I guess Jimmy that made you want to work with him? Uh, <laughs> no pressure. Well, you're just learning, you're just right learning for 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All that stuff. Um, we were uh, on the board of an organisation we were both really passionate about called Common, which was, um, it was uh, a support an industry support organisation for working class artists and often people that are from a working class background wouldn't necessarily claim to be that now but there were programmes to help support younger artists and we were both on the board and I always used to like what Jimmy had to say and I just emailed him after one board session and said you know what do I have to do to work with Not Too Tame and then he said actually because I think he knew a little bit about what I'd done and that I've got quite a bit of experience directing Shakespeare. He, he said, actually, there's something we've just started talking to a venue about. Maybe that's the, the place to look to do something together. Of course, you directed A Midsummer Night's Dream, I think, in 2012. You did Open Air Regents Park Theatre tour with it. Yeah. So what's it like coming back to the text again? Is it... It just feels like I've never read it before. I mean, that's what I love about Shakespeare. I just think every time you go back to him, based on who you are, what your experiences are, you know, you just see different things. The, the, the text is so tight, they're like knots of energy, and I think different things that you are experiencing or that you've seen sort of release different elements of that energy. So it feels completely different. I mean, I think I worked very hard to make it different, mm -hmm. but. The key to it was to go and say to Jimmy, how do you usually start your shows? And he said, well, we would be in a, a non-conventional theatre environment, so a working men's club, whatever, 
And I was like, okay, well, we need to figure out how to use that vocabulary in a theatre. So that was one of the starting points. Yeah. Um, and then it's always about, as, as Jimmy said, it's always about the crew. It is... I, I, what I love about Shakespeare, there's something someone said to me once, is all you know of the world is all you can know of the play. Because you bring your experiences to it. So, you know, inviting Nadine to get involved was a, was a massive part of that. Um, I've been a fan for too, too long, I don't want to embarrass her, but I've been right since I feel like the, the beginning of Nadine's career. And um, so to pluck up the courage to ask her to get involved and her to go, yeah, I think actually I'm be <laughs> into that. That suddenly tells a whole different story about Titania because this is, this is our Titania, you know, so who the people are is a big part of what the play turns into. Yeah, what was it like being a Because this is your debut acting role. How do you, how do you feel about it? <laughs> How's, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> bad time and I'd like I'd taken like three months off work or something and then my manager had like put a bunch of emails together of things for me to check when I felt like getting back to work again and I kind of eeny meeny miny mode I don't know if I've told you this <laughs> eeny meeny miny mode them went like bunk that one and it was yours was the first one and I was like, well, I guess we're doing this thing. <laughs> and I've never, then. ever had, like, any aspirations to act at all, ever. Like, I'm not, like, not one of those secret, like, oh, will you want to do that? <laughs> I'll then do that. Like, I like, I, I like being a musician, and I've always wanted to be very, to continue to grow to be a musician. This, though, just seemed, just like, a, a, okay, well, I'm going to push myself. I'm going to see what will happen. And then you sit, I met with Matthew. Mm -hmm. And he spoke about there being a musical element um, in Titania's role as well. So I felt like less of a fraud, I think, coming in. Because I was worried about what people might say, like, just, you know, stick to your own thing and let the actors... But actually, there's, there's a lot of musicality um, with Titania's part as well. And I'm just loving the process so far. I was terrified... That's not true. I had a real dislike of actors. <laughs> and a bit of a fear of them as well and I've got honestly for each and every member of the cast and the crew I've gotten a lot of love for all of them and a ton of respect I think they're incredible and the way that I work in music has always been such a, a solitary process and this is the entire I, it's the complete opposite and I really love that and um, I'm just really I'm really enjoying it and Every day is a school day for me, and the nerves are starting to go. I'm just becoming more comfortable with it, and I think also a lot of that's down to um, the other cast members as well, who have been so encouraging towards me um, and really helpful, and making me feel like, no, no, you're supposed to be here. And you no, so it's just, it's very nice. Yeah. Is it something we could see you sticking with in future? Could we see you acting in other roles? My brother would kill me because he's an actor and I'm already... Um, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. If it was a part like Titania, then maybe. Like, it turns out I like playing queens. <laughs> um, but I think with that as well, with Titania, there seems to be... There's, there's some, it would always have to be somebody that I can relate to some character that I think that I can do justice like I could see parallels with myself and them then possibly if it made sense this seemed to make sense mm -hmm. and 
even though when I read the first email, I thought, that's ridiculous. But now, the more that we're doing it, the more we get into the play, it is starting to make sense mm. to me. I'm like, oh, that was smart. Mm. Um, it's so exciting. And you are, like, the, when we, in the first week, we were reading through, and you are doing those lines, I was like, but you're a brilliant storyteller. Obviously, like, with your music into this, but it's just a different way of telling stories, and it's captivating. I'm like, <laughs> and you respect, you respect the poetry, and that that was there right from that first read. Mm. And that's that's the thing that the other actors will learn from you. You know, we yeah. all learn from each other. So your Titan, your version of Titan, you said there's a lot of music in this production of Midsummer Night's Dream. Like how how is she different, I guess, from maybe a traditional notion of what we think of Titania, I guess. I mean. I'm not too sure how this version of Titania is going to be different other than it's me playing it <laughs> and it's your production of it. Um, but I think that, from, I mean, I did, I didn't actually, no, I, I didn't before, I, when I said yes to the role, I didn't go down that route of watching lots of other people's versions. Um, I was tempted to, mm. but I didn't. Because I actually did just relate a lot to the text and especially her circumstance and certain things. Like it's quite ha this quite harrowing in parts. Mm. It, she's quite a tortured character, really, mm. although incredibly strong. She has this beautiful kind of mother nature and protective, beautiful quality to her, but also there's the vulnerability. Um, I haven't seen many of the Titanias, so I'm not so sure what the difference is going to be. But um, yeah, it's quite—it's not too far removed from I think myself as a performer on stage, and I think this is possibly why Matthew asked me to do this in the first place. But me as a performer on stage isn't necessarily who are, who you're talking to right now. Mm. It's a heightened, exaggerated version, and almost I am kind of taking on a bit of a character. And I feel like my stage persona is in keeping with Titania there, I think. Listen, when you were when you had Nadine in mind, Matthew, was that was it her performance, was it her music that you could see Nadine playing the Titania? I don't, I don't know where it came from. It just sort of it just came from sort of outer space. I, I wasn't I, it's not like I was listening to Nadine that morning, as I say. Um, she's someone who's kind of present in my wider thoughts because I'm a fan but it was just just came to me and I spoke to Jimmy about it and we said yeah let's, let's just go for it but sometimes you, I kind of unexplained those things I guess I knew that I it's interesting what um, Nadine touches upon there is a kind of melancholia that that seeps into her Titania that maybe on instinct I was excited about us yeah. exploring together. Um, of course, Titania's counterpart Oberon, who's going to be voiced by David Morrissey. So, how did that come about? Was... He's my mate. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've worked, David and I have worked together before, and I just, um, I think that was as well, I sort of wanted to, with Titania and Oberon, if possible, we spoke, Jimmy and I, about the notion of the two regions where we're going to find a home for this show, sort of speaking to each other. Mm. So you'll hear 
Nadine's accent speaking to David's accent and I thought that was as they're the kind of parents of the world that was quite a nice thing to hold the whole show together so I just asked David to do it and he said yes immediately because he wanted to make a he's very excited as most people in the, from Liverpool are that, that there's this new exciting playground and he wanted to support it yeah I think it's one of the most interesting dynamics in the play isn't it Tanya and Oberon's relationship and I guess the whole voice element of David Morrissey so how does that because I guess if music and sound is essentially yeah. a big part of the production so how does how does, without giving away too many spoilers how I'm not going to tell you anything other than what I just said <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible not to give spoilers it's very good keep us on our toes what I think is kind of unique about it so yeah that's what the thing is about when you're walking well, it's been great talking to the three of you. Last question: um, If you have a, if you could have a pint with any character from any of Shakespeare's works, who would you have a pint with? I'd go Puck, because I'd rename Puck in modern life. I'd call him Asbo, because I'd, I'd just go, it, yeah, you'd have. An, I've got a mate called Asbo, and he's. I go. It's a bit like Puck. Just it'd be mischievous. He probably might end up in prison at one point, but it'd be alright. We get out the next day. <laughs> Oberon, so I've got a, is there some stuff I want to clear <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would probably say false stuff because then I wouldn't be the fattest <laughs> and biggest drinker in the in the in the equation. <laughs> it would make, That's a good answer. He would make me feel good about myself. A bit less myself. guilty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, oh. Well Nadine, Jimmy, Matthew, thank you so much. You're The Your Bard podcast was researched, produced and recorded by Francesca, Neve and Meg from the Shakespeare North Playhouse team. With special thanks to the Mermaid Tavern and the creatives behind A Midsummer Night's Dream.